Turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, and this is part two. If you, were, if you weren't here last Sunday, I'm going to give you a little more detail about this title, Finding Christmas Kavu. Everyone say Kavu. Kavu, uh, I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, uh, it has to do with insight. We'll talk about that. But I want you to look in Isaiah 9. I want to read through this. We were there a little bit last week. I want to just bring it back to you. Isaiah 9 is a super prophetic insight about the coming of Christ. Uh, in fact, if you just, go- if you just Googled prophetic uh, uh, scriptures concerning the coming of Jesus. Uh, man, it's just everywhere. How many of you know this is all about Him? Amen. This is not just history. This is His story. Amen. It's all about Him. And from the beginning to the end, it's all about the coming of Jesus and the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ and the redemption of the world. Amen. God had a plan. Turn to somebody like a Pentecostal and touch and say, God had a plan. He did. He does. He has a plan for you today. Whoo. I'm excited about that. Not only for my life. In fact, this morning while I was praying, I just sensed the favor of God on me and the confirmation of God in my heart about the future. And I just feel good about God's plan in my life and in our lives together. So Isaiah nine, let me throw verse two at you and we'll read through all the way down to verse seven, uh, and give you a little context. He says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And we know who that was. Jesus said, I am the what? Light of the world. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, unto them a light has shined. That's us, by the way. You have multiplied the nation. Now, follow through. I haven't read these verses. I'll come back to them just a little. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Everybody say joy. They rejoiced before you, I'm, according to the joy of harvest. Now, I'm telling you, when you look, when you read the story of Christmas, uh, man, what did the angel say? Joy to the world. It was a joy, and this is a prophetic insight in how people were joyful and 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 rejoicing at the coming of Christ. They rejoiced before you, according to the joy of harvest. Now. If I had time, we could study about in Scripture the harvest and how people rejoiced, and that was their livelihood, and there was celebration, there was there was offering. It was a great day during harvest time, a time of joy. Uh, as men divide, uh, rejoice when they divide the spoil. That's another illustration of of spiritual war when the battle was won and the and the spoil was reaped, and the men divided the spoil. It was a time of great victory and joy. Everybody say, amen. For you have, now catch this, here's some spiritual illustration of what Christ has done for us. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder. Speaking of, of, of this nation, okay? The rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. That's, hey, that's a a reference to the battle is over and the victory has been won. While I take a little sip of this, you could say amen. And so this is prophetic about the coming of Christ and what he has done for us in humanity. And then he kind of brings it down. He breaks it down for us to get really get a handle on what he's talking to us. For unto us a child is born. 
unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. And there's a comma there, but let me just say in the original Greek uh, and the part of the original Hebrew, uh, that comma's pretty much not there. And so pe- uh, people say he's wonderful, he's counselor. But I like to say he's wonderful counselor, okay? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, wow, somebody say amen. Now, what a prophetic insight about the coming of Christ, okay? Uh, and in fact, I love the little ending, the zeal of the Lord will perform. Man, this is what, this is what rings his bell. This is what, uh, what revs his motor that is the, is the coming of Christ and the, and the fulfillment of prophecy and the, and the, and the manifestation of God's plan, uh, uh, revealed in the earth. And so the zeal of the Lord reveals it. And so with that in mind, now let me go back to Kavu. If you remember a few weeks ago, a few days, a few weeks ago, President H.W. Bush passed away and there was a great, uh, really remembrance and even a celebration of his life. He was really an American hero in my opinion because he, he left the security of, uh, uh, of the, an Ivy League or a, I forget what school, you know, where the wealthy, only the wealthy could go in his first year, uh, when Pearl Harbor was attacked and he had jo- he joined the Navy and he became the world's first or earliest or youngest Navy fighter pilot at a very young age. He was shot down uh, and, and survived. You've probably seen the video. They actually have a video of it. So he's an American hero and from he adopted as a part of his life uh, Kavu and Kavu for a pilot stands for sealing and visibility unlimited. That's what they all prayed for. As young pilots, there was no, you know, radar and, and no, uh, you know, uh, guidance systems like we have today. And so every pilot, when he knew he had a mission to fly th- uh, that day, they would pray, literally. He said, we prayed for Kavu. And so that's where the, the term comes from. But he adopted that as his life. He said in his life, he wanted to always have and live life with a sense of kavu, where he had some visibility, some direction, and some clarity in his life and his future. And so I took that, and last week we talked about Christmas kavu and how even Joseph got some Christmas kavu. Uh, and today I want you to get a little more Christmas kavu where you have a greater understanding and visibility and, and revelation. Is, is We're talking about revelation and, and revealing. What does it say here in the Isaiah passage, the f- verse 2? The people who walked in darkness, what happened? They seen a great light. They saw a great light. What happened? They got some kavu. That's us. Because the light came. And so today, Isaiah certainly had some prophetic Christmas kavu. Man, he had a prophetic insight about the future. One of the things I learned just as I was looking through, uh, uh, one of the passages of Scripture uh, uh, concerning the, the uh, coming of the Christ, I can't put my finger on which one, but it says in the Old Testament, he will be called a Nazarene. 
All right, it was a pro- very clearly a prophetic insight of the coming of Christ. But did you know when, when that prophecy was written in the Old Testament, there was no such town as Nazareth? How many of you know God has a plan? In fact, it's an interesting insight, that word that in the Old Testament, uh, it has, it has a, it has a descriptive to it, the Nazarene, uh, that, def- that really describes the coming of Christ and who he was. Uh, and then, of course, God has a sense of humor and Nazareth. Uh, in fact, gosh, New Testament says he, he would come from Nazareth. And so we know that be, to be the case. So Isaiah had some kavu and other Old Testament prophets had kavu about the coming of the, of the Christ. And, and, and number one, we see Isaiah under the prophetic anointing of God. He had kavu about the glorious coming of Messiah. In fact, hey, if you have time, I wanted to spend more time. We may go back and catch some of this Sunday, but I, I, I just wish I had more time because uh, when you look at all the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of Messiah, it's very clear. In fact, all good Jewish boys and girls lived looking for the coming of Messiah. Now, uh, for, for, for many Jews and most Jews, they missed the coming. Because they didn't think about him coming in a manger, in a stable, in a very unassuming way. And they missed it, and they're still looking for the coming of the Messiah. But, hey, uh, Jesus, the Messiah, came, and Isaiah had kavu. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and he was referencing Jesus Christ. He had insight about the coming of Messiah. Number two, Isaiah had kavu. He had revelation and visibility about the glorious deliverance of Messiah and his influence in the earth. <coughs> Pardon me. I read verse two and verse three and four and five, really. It talks about deliverance and victory and, and, and really victory over the yoke of the burden. How many of you know scripture teaches that sin is a yoke of bondage? And I'm just telling you today, you start reading the New Testament in light of this passage, you go, he's talking about the Lord right there. Jesus came to unloose the yoke of bondage off our life and set the captive free. In fact, what did Jesus say? Uh, what was his first recorded message? It was just a, a reference from Isaiah where he gets up in Luke chapter 4, opens the scripture and begins to read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and then he goes on and it's the recovery of sight to the blind and the deliverance and the setting of the captives free and what's he talking about he's talking about uh, really Isaiah is referencing what Jesus came to do the deliverance from sin how many of you know there's no way you and I can shake the bondage of sin without the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ you see we were hopelessly separated and Jesus came paid a price and paid for our sin and brought deliverance. Somebody say amen right there. And Jesus said, that's what I came to do. In fact, I love what Paul said, and you don't need to turn there, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Basically, it says this, he has delivered us. Somebody say amen. He is delivering us. How many of you know there's some things he's still working on us? Right today, there's some things that he, he has delivered us, past tense. He is delivering us, present tense. And then it says, and we are convinced he will yet deliver us. 
Isaiah had kavu. In fact, he said in his prophecy here, he said, man, just, hey, all those clothes that are bloodied in the battle, you can just burn them as firewood because the battle's over. Uh, whew, how many of you know, ultimately, uh, we realize, man, we, we have been delivered and we are being delivered and we will yet be delivered. Amen. Isaiah had kavu, Christmas kavu about the coming of the Messiah and about the deliverance of the Messiah. Number three, he had kavu about the glorious governance of Messiah and his authority in all the earth. He said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the first thing he says after he says, the son is given, this child is born, he says, and the government will be on his shoulder. You know what that says? He's in charge. It doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter who's the prime minister. It doesn't matter who's a dictator in some uh, ungodly foreign country. It doesn't matter who says they're in charge. I'm telling you, I came to tell you, here's some Christmas kavu from Isaiah. Jesus is in charge. Amen. And what a comfort that is to us. It says in verse 6, the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And I came to tell you today that one day, uh, in that day, uh, when this day is over, how many of you know life on planet Earth is terminal? You got to understand that. People get concerned about eternity uh, uh, or, or life on planet Earth. It's terminal. I just came to tell you it's terminal. I read the Bible, and from, from, a, from just a, you know, a secular standpoint, it doesn't get much better. It gets worse. But from a spiritual standpoint, the light gets brighter as the darkness gets darkner, darker. And one day we will see him, and we will have ultimate kavu. Are you with me? Amen. And one day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even people who are lost and without Christ will have to, will understand and know that He was King of kings and is King of kings forever and ever. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. Amen. That's what the angel said to Mary and to Joseph. Luke chapter 1, you read it. He's in charge. Everyone say he's in charge. So Isaiah had kavu. He had, he had kavu about the coming Christ, about Christmas. And if we, hey, listen, if we would just look to the Word of God, we, we just from the Word of God have more insight and understanding and revelation about the Christ of Christmas. And this morning, I want to give you a little today. How many of you know we can have a little Christmas kavu today? And listen, it's not all about just presents under the tree and ho, 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 and you and me. It's about the Christ of Christmas. Yesterday when I left the parking lot, needless to say, I'd been up since 3.30. I was a little whooped. When I left, left the parking lot at the airport, uh, this, the lady I was going to pay, and I was giving her all my little, I have little cards that get you points, and then I had my phone with my discount coupon, and I give all that to her, and she's giving me a bottle of water. I'm feeling happy, and I complimented her her dreadlock hair. I said, oh, I love your hair. She said, well, thank you, thank you. And I'm trying to, even though, and she said, happy holidays. As I left, I looked at her and I said, you have a Merry Christmas. 
And she said, you too, you too. You knew her boss told her not to say Merry Christmas. But it's about the Christ. And so I want to give you a little kavu this morning from this passage of Scripture and about what Christ wants to do for you and me and whosoever is listening and watching today. The Christ of Christmas still wants to come and deliver us. That's what I read just a few moments ago. He has delivered us. He is delivering us. And he will yet deliver us. Hey, his work is not finished in your life. There's still some things that need to shake off and find greater levels of liberty. Could I tell you today, if we stop right now, and I went home today and, and had a little lunch and turned on the Dallas Cowboys, could I tell you that if we stopped right now and I just went home we had the rest of the day, you could just rejoice in the fact that the Christ of Christmas has come to bring liberty in your life. Not just liberty for heaven, but liberty for this life, freedom in this life, joy in this life, deliverance in this life, not for, for, for yesterday and may even today, but even tomorrow and the rest of your day. Amen. The Christ of Christmas desires to deliver us, but also the Christ of Christmas desires to govern and guide our lives throughout the rest of our lives. In fact, let me just break down his name, for his name shall be called. I believe these are different ways that, that the Christ of Christmas wants to govern and guide our lives. Think about it. His name, shall, that's his identity. This is who he is. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Could I tell you today that the coming of the Christ, he just didn't come to save you of your sins, and thank God he did. He will save his people from their sins. But for us today who've experienced the saving grace of God, he's a wonderful counselor. Anybody ever got bad counsel? I'll never forget a preacher friend of mine, a pretty influential fella. He was counseling me a little bit, and uh, he and he he would pop off a little bit. He and and I remember he was brave enough to admit it. He said, "Well, I know what you need to do. You need to do this, this, and this. That's what you need to do. This, this, and this." And I and I thought about it. If I did this, this, and this, this would happen, and that wouldn't be good. I said, "Well, sir, if I did this, this, and this, I'm going to tell you what I believe would happen. This would happen." And he thought a minute. He said, "Yeah, you're right. Don't do that." I appreciate him telling me that. He he knows who he is. But we've all got bad counsel. We try to give good counsel. And I've told people, I've given people good counsel they didn't follow. And I've given people bad counsel that they did follow. And that's not good. We've all done it. We try to do our best. But let me tell you who we do have because of the Christ of Christmas. We have a wonderful counselor. In fact, Isaiah said this, Isaiah 28, 29, it says this. In fact, that wonderful means miraculous. It means supernatural. Uh, We have a wonderful supernatural interaction with the counselor who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Isaiah 28, 29 says, he's wonderful in counsel. Excellent in good deeds. He's wonderful counselor. And listen, in fact, you, you want to know where you get started? Uh, the counsel of his word. <clears throat> get into what does the Bible say? Everybody say, what does the Bible say? I'm telling you, me and some of my guys on the trip, we, we got into some good healthy 
uh, holy and not so much unholy debate about a few things. It was fun. I enjoy it. Uh, we were debating scripture and what the Bible says. We all came to the understanding, man, you got to get to what the Bible says and then you got to do your best to understand what the Bible means when it says this. It'll give you great counsel. I've received wonderful counsel from the Word of God, and I've received wonderful counsel from the from from God Himself speaking to me in my heart and listening to me. In fact, what does James say? James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, but let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the sand of the sea, driven and tossed by the uh, the ship of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You gotta you gotta trust wonderful counselor. He said, if you ask him in faith, you listen to me today. I'm gonna get a little tough on you today. Some of you have been struggling and fussing and foaming and fighting and 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 scratching and clawing about what should we do and should we do this? Should we do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should we buy this? Should we not buy this? I'm telling you, just ask God in faith. He will lead you. He's wonderful counselor. Look at your neighbor. So that's good stuff right there. I'm telling you. Wonderful, miraculous counsel. Whew. That's some Christmas kavu right there. Let me tell you who he is, his identity, his name. It's wonderful counselor. Man, when God speaks to me wisdom and I ask him, he gives it to me. I ask him in faith and I get it. I can look back and, man, that was miraculous. That was wonderful. Amen. So Christ of Christmas desires to govern govern and guide our lives with his wonderful counsel. Number two, he wants to govern and guide our lives with supernatural power. For his name's not only wonderful counselor, but it's mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. That phrase mighty God references powerful warrior and champion. In other words, the victor is the one who's in charge of your life and he will govern and guide your life in a victorious way to lead you in the paths of victory for his life. In fact, Isaiah goes back and he says, hey, you just burn your war clothes. All those shoes that are bloodied and, and, and the battle scars, those things, just burn them in the fire. Use them as firewood because the battle's over because I am mighty God. powerful supernatural power mighty God number three he desires to govern and guide our life listen this is Christmas Kavu right here I'm telling you something we've got his wonderful counsel we've got his supernatural power but number three we have accessible as the governance and guidance of our life his supernatural love for us Because he said this, number three, and this is, I love them all, but I love this. He's everlasting father. Everlasting father. Culture today has a pretty skewed view of fatherhood. When most, uh, a majority of kids don't even know who their father was. Or have had bad experiences with our father. I told the story of my friend. My father passed away at the young age of 51 or two in a freak fluke aircraft accident. He was a private pilot just having fun. And 
just a few seconds of, his, of the joy of his journey over down the Pertinalis River. The, uh, and within 10 seconds, he was in eternity. So I miss my father. But what, let me tell you one thing I do have. I have an everlasting father. He's smarter than my daddy was. He's more spiritual. My daddy was spiritual. But listen, I don't know where you are and what you're, what's going on in your world when reference to your father. All of us have a few daddy issues other than my kids, I know. But uh, pretty much everybody else does. Uh, but uh, I know my kids don't have any daddy issues. But we all deal. But I'm telling you, all God ever wanted to be was a father. In fact, I love what David said about him in Psalm 68. He said this, he's a father to the fatherless. And he sets the solitary in families. God's a family man. And he wants to govern and guide us, not like some authoritarian, uh, pardon me, authoritative, you know, uh, dictatorship. He wants to govern and guide our lives as a father would his children. That's Christmas Cather right there. Yeah, he does. He he corrects those he loves. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. He governs and guides our life. I love what Galatians says about God in chapter 4, verse 6. God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son, that's the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In other words, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into our lives and the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to reconnect on a right relational level, uh, uh, personally, with our Heavenly Father. The Spirit of God in us is crying out, Abba, Father. Whoo! Christmas Cather. The Christ of Christmas, he came to deliver us. He, he has delivered us. He is delivering us. He will yet deliver us. The Christ of Christmas came to give us supernatural wisdom, supernatural power, supernatural love through the influence of his Father. But oh, I love number four. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. One of the big voids in most people's lives is a sense of inner peace. I see over and over, it breaks my heart. People who take their life because they have no sense of inner peace. People who do terrible things because they have no peace in their heart. And and Isaiah had some kavu for us about who he is. He said he's the prince of peace. If you need peace, he's the one to go to. And he brings peace. What did he do with the disciples when they're out in the middle of their big storm of life and there's fears and doubts and, oh, you know, ligers, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He walked into the middle of their mess and he became their message and he said, peace, be still. storm was calm. That's the Christ of Christmas. Peace on earth 
and goodwill towards me. That's what the angels said to those shepherds. But I love what Paul said too, because he picked up on this and, and experienced this. How many of you know if you were Paul and, and out of your religious, religious zealot mindset to serve God, you persecuted Christians before you realized they were the called of God and you too were born again by light shining out of heaven and striking you off your, uh, your donkey or horse or whatever. And you got a, he had some, how many of you know Paul had some, Kavu that day when God shined down into his life and said, I'm the Lord whom you're persecuting. And through the process of the redemption of God over his life, Paul found peace with God. And he said this in Philippians 4, verse 7. Let the peace, everyone say, let the. You know how most people don't have peace? Believers don't have peace. They've not let him in to their situation. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you got to let him in. You got to let the peace, the, the Prince of Peace has got to come in, take charge. He said, let the peace of God, this is what Paul said, let the peace, uh, uh, the peace of God. Here, I'm getting, I'm going to give you two passages. Colossians 3, 17, let the peace of God rule your heart. Be in charge, govern and guide your heart. And then Philippians 4, 7, he said, the peace of God shall guard your heart and your mind. It's a guard in Christ Jesus. Listen, that's who the Christ of Christmas is. He came not just to give us wonderful counsel and supernatural power and an everlasting fatherly love, but he came to bring peace into the middle of our storm and peace into our hearts and peace into our minds. That no matter what we're going on, what's going on around us, the Christ of Christmas is shining a light bright within us. Christmas Kavu. And of course, ultimately, as George W. Bush found out a few weeks ago, a few Fridays ago, when he breathed his last, and he was a confessed born-again believer, he stepped from this life into that life just like Dennis's mom and just like Patsy's mom in a moment, in an instant. They knew him as they were known. And they had, in a very real sense, sealing and visibility unlimited. They had Kavu. That's where we're all headed as believers. But let me close today. Oh, there's so much I'd like to say, but just look over. I'm going to give you a little hint. Isaiah 61. Remember what I said, Isaiah 9 said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I want you to read Isaiah 61 this week. It's like Christmas time for the Gentiles. And it says this, the whole, the whole book, uh, pardon me, the whole chapter. Arise, shine. For your light has come. Who's the light? Jesus. And the glory of the Lord 
is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and the heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of gone and on and gone. It's Christmas time in Isaiah 61 because the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Amen. As we close today, we have the option here today to take what we've heard and really allow it to help us, govern us, guide us, deliver us, lead us, bring clarity. Let's stand together. Father, thank you that the light has come. If you're a believer here today, if you've experienced the saving grace, I want you to stop right now and just say thank you for sending the light into our hearts. Thank you that we've seen a great light. That your glory has come upon us. Today, we thank you for that. And Lord, we want to embrace you. We want to experience your deliverance today even greater than we have when we were born again and even more tomorrow. We thank you that you came. And for those, Lord, who's still looking for you, we pray the light would come on in their hearts. They would see that you came over 2,000 years ago as a little baby in a manger in the shepherd's stall in the city of Bethlehem. Let the light come on around the world. Let the light come on for those who are lost and walking in darkness. Let them have some kavu about who you are. That your wonderful counselor, your great deliverer, Deliverer, your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, you're an everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. We thank you for that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, that message was for me. I need peace in my heart. I need the love of a father in my heart. I feel like an orphan in certain ways. And I need to embrace God as he's embraced me to be a father. I feel fatherless. I need his love. I need his peace. I need his love. I need his power. I need his wisdom. If, if you're here today and that message was for you and this applies to you, and you say, Pastor, I need some of that Christmas coffee. Lift your hands, wherever, not just your hand, both hands to God. You say, Pastor, that's embarrassing. 
No, it's not. It's liberating. Just lift your hand. Say, Lord, I need Christmas coffee today. Whatever it is. Maybe with your family. Maybe with your job. Maybe with your finances. Maybe with your future, Lord. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.